And welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And Adam, I'm Zach. You've met me. <laughs> we have. Welcome back to your show. Yeah, I missed my first episode ever. <laughs> was it? Was that weird for you? A, a little bit. It was weird. I'll tell you what. It was weird listening to the podcast. Oh, Okay. Because you like, were, like, expecting to hear yourself and you didn't? <laughs> well, like, so I edit the show, and I'm used to hearing the podcast after I live it. But it was mm-hmm. weird, like, sitting through a two-and-a-half-hour podcast that was already edited, for the most part. It was a con floor. You can only do so much, and Adam did a great job. But it was weird sitting there. I mean, like, <laughs> this is my thing, though. But I'm not yeah. there. Ah, It and, was nice. And, and, I do wish you'd you'd been able to go there. So I'm I'm hoping we get to do another con at some point, uh, and and both of us get to go. Um, we'll see we'll see if we can get something like that going. But um, anyway, that was last week. What are we talking about today? This week we are talking about something that was requested to us by a patron, uh, and Ooh. that patron's name is Bumpa da Bump Bump Bump. Drum roll. Doesn't no, have my drum sets. Him. My drum sets all. <laughs> Like, I'm touching my drum set right now, but not the snare and not the sticks. It's too no, far I meant away. the name of the person, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no. It's Jeffrey Worrell. Because uh, Jeff, oh. Jeffrey went on over to Patreon.com, threw money our way, and said, Hey, guys, love you to talk about uh, that arc and Astonishing X-Men where North Star gets married. Mm, uh, yes. That so we're going to do that. individual issue is a big arc, it turns out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is Astonishing X-Men 48 to 56, written by Marjorie Liu with art by Mark per- Mike Perkins, uh, and then Gabriel Hernandez-Walta has a few pages in the middle in a flashback. Yeah, uh, it does a, a little assist there. Yeah, so this is interesting. Adam, have you read uh, Marjorie Liu's Astonishing X-Men run before this point? Uh, I've only read a, a little bit of it, and I had not read this particular arc, which... I- you know, I think a lot of people who may not have read this book may have assumed that 51 was a one shot, a la, you know, X-Men number 30. But that is not what's going on here. In fact, while this is a North Star story, uh, this is also very much a karma story. It is. So it is kind of broken up into two distinct movements, I think, mm. uh, pre-wedding and post-wedding. I think I yes. think that's fair to say. Uh, mm-hmm. So... This is a, they aren't even a team when this starts. Wolverine just kind of throws some people together at uh, <laughs> at Gambit's Gambit's penthouse that him and yes. Cecilia Reyes have been having dinner, wink, wink there, mm-hmm. uh, which is very cute scene. And I like the character dynamics that Lou does here. Uh, yeah, Lou seems to have uh, a fantastic sense of the voices of these characters and maybe not the same as what another writer might do with them, but... I really like the dynamics that she introduces between a lot of these characters. Iceman is like particularly kind of curmudgeonly in this arc, which is fun. Uh, I like that he's obviously... mean to Gambit. I love how he's mean to Gambit. <laughs> yeah, 
but she clearly gets gambit um you know we saw that in x23 but um i i think she does a really good job with the interactions between the characters yeah less so though with the plot i think on my part uh i'm not as enamored in the very long tale that she has decided to tell here this is like eight issues and it's a lot yeah yeah, it is kind of drawn out for what it is. Um, the longer story that's going on in the background here is that um, it turns out that Karma has another sibling. Well, it's a half-sibling um, who runs the Hachi Corporation and is mind-controlling the X-Men into doing some things that they should not be doing. Yeah, and this is all in a very convoluted scheme to get Karma to convince their dad to come out of hiding so that uh, Susan Hachi, uh, Karma's sister, can get revenge. (laughs) Which is a lot of work and involves holding the world hostage to kill one old man who then shoots her. Yeah, um, and this is how Karma gets in control of Hachi, correct? Yeah, this is how Karma becomes a billionaire. Uh, Not sure what Hachi does as a as a company none of it makes sense they make Uh, kind of like uh horrible nanobot things that can infect you and either mind control you or just kill you i guess yeah but that's not a billion dollar business uh at least not (sighs) one with the consumer facing focus that uh (laughs) the stuff around the hachi corporation seems to uh do that that's really a b2b operation and hachi seems to be positioned as a b2c group which is uh interesting also i'm gonna just be honest most comic book writers have not gone to business school (laughs) (laughs) yeah it doesn't seem to be a a real sustainable concept there but um you'll notice folks that while this is a north star themed episode we are really talking a little bit more about karma um but there is a significant portion of this story that is about um the back and forth will they won't they of kyle uh and uh and north star and they do end up tying the knot and it's it's kind of cool i mean it's it's um very much in the vein of like a wedding happening while other stuff is happening in x-men so yeah there's a few things here i want to point out one i don't think that before this we've gotten enough enough focus on the relationship between uh jean-paul babier north star and kyle Gianu. uh his i guess husband his by the PR end of this. guy his pr yeah. guy slash husband <laughs> well look uh one thing that would be common to uh uh comic book writers is essentially running a small business where you yourself are the commodity and you have your family help you out sometimes that's <laughs> very common yeah it is a it's a strange dynamic though and um you know you I, at least you know, having read the arc now that it's already already all come out, um, it is a weird thing to see the two of them kind of bickering and going back and forth. The, the beginning of this story, they had just moved in together and they're sort of going back and forth about, you know, oh, you don't need me. And, you know, are they going to break up or is it going to go in the opposite direction? And that, that stuff, it's OK. But like, if you know, 51 is coming, like... I don't know. There's no suspense there. Well, I think there's two things there. One, we need to be invested in a relationship before we start to buy the will they, won't they stuff. And here's the thing. Adam, you've read every issue up to this point uh, where Kyle has appeared as North Star's uh, 
I guess, significant other. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, there's how many appearances of this uh, character? Not, Not a lot many, before right? this. Yeah. So, so we don't have that strong relationship built. And because this arc happens so fast, I mean, the wedding's in 51, so that's three issues before you have a cover with them at an altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it was it was happening based on solicits. You knew it was coming right after you bought the first issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's like a lot of actual soap opera tension here. Um that being said, uh, I do like the wedding issue quite a bit. I mm-hmm. think that there's some really cool character dynamics, um, and uh, you get some some really fun cameos in there from the existing X-Men team from Wolverine and the X-Men. You get some Alpha Flight characters, and I don't know. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, the arc I... as a whole, I think, might suffer a little bit from its length. I like the wedding, and the wedding is important. One one thing that I think it's harder to remember back in the day, or, you know, looking back on this now, but this was an important issue. This got a lot of press. Mm-hmm. This was back in 2011, I believe. Yeah, that sounds uh, right. And do you know what wasn't legal uh, everywhere in the, in the United States of America eight years ago? Yeah, so this has uh, a pretty monumental feel to it. Um even we have some detractors of a gay wedding in here, which feels a, a little, a little forced with uh, Warbird kind of standing up against this for no real reason. Yeah, they definitely picked the character that we could deal with being homophobic the easiest. <laughs> they said, uh, "You're not that invested in Warbird. We have time to come back around to her." Yeah, but I think what's really cool about this issue and really refreshing, um, I'm just checking, the published date is June 20th, 2012, um, is that, you know, the rest of the X-Men, this is just two people in love. And I think it's just a really great, um, you know, piece of visibility and representation that really needed to be in, of all comics, it should be in the X-Men. Absolutely. It absolutely should. And that's... North Star, I'll tell you, is not my favorite character, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important that he is around because there is not enough representation in X-Men to begin with. Uh, so we just they just need to do better across the board. And North Star is an important historical part of that. Well, yeah, I think North Star has general... Uh, history of just being sort of like that jerky guy from <laughs> Alpha Flight, but he does have a lot of uh, interesting sort of nuance here in terms of why he's worried about this relationship, why he's worried about getting married, and all of that does come across in Lou's writing. So I, I think they pull it off. It's done pretty well. It is, uh, but there's also a lot of other issues with Karma and her family. Uh, telling the only story you can tell with Karma, which is apparently about her evil family. Always. Uh, the kids are cool this time. The kids it, are great. Her brother's not here, but now we got to have a sister. <laughs> and an evil dad. Because we just had an evil uncle. Now we have yes. an evil dad and an evil sister. Uh, poor Karma. She also, just can't catch oh, a break. Yeah. One thing that did bother me, they go to Madripoor in this, by the way. Tiger Tiger's there. It's not that important. Uh, but they go to a, a steel mill? A foundry? Uh, 
And it frustrates me for several reasons. One, no one's wearing their personal protective equipment, which is a huge, huge issue. Mm. Two, foundries don't just run themselves, guys. Like, Yeah, and it's an active uh, plant. We're, we're talking about like steel being poured and it's uh it's all lit up that's not how any of this works <laughs> well gambit thinks it is and uh you're you're right it's probably endangering all of them but there there's a couple little nitpicky things here that you could <laughs> could go and that's definitely one of them well let me ask you this adam have you ever been in a foundry i'm i'm honestly curious. i have i have not i've been in some factories before but never a foundry uh, so I've I've been in a couple foundries in my day, and one of the foundries I went to was described to me as one of the cleanest foundries they've ever been in. Oh, um, <laughs> Adam, I, I I've worked in manufacturing. It was probably the dirtiest plant I've ever seen. <laughs> so the I fact that imagine. all of them are spotless is something. Well, and they're also having like a conversation. Where in the midst of something that's got to be incredibly noisy as well. Yeah, foundries can be can be noisy. It's mostly the equipment around it than the foundry, though. I guess when you're right. blasting when you're blasting the metal and really melting it down, uh, you're going to be having to move a lot of CFM, and that's going to do that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> foundries aside, this arc has important things that happen in it, but as a whole, it's a little overly long and has some elements that I don't really care about. Where would you like to rank this on our list of 285 X-Men stories? <laughs> Good save. Ah, uh, jeez. Um, you know what? I, I liked this. I, I thought it was pretty solidly put together. Um, it's definitely remarkable for the sort of, I almost want to say casual way that the, the wedding is introduced and executed. And, and it's done pretty darn well um but the rest of it does kind of bog it down so i believe we have uh, one of marjorie lou's x23 runs songs of the orphan child at 210 mm-hmm. um i think this is probably better than that what do you think i i would agree this one this is probably more uh more solid than that though i don't know how high this is gonna go like we have uh where do we have we have at 184 phalanx covenant final sanction Mm. uh which is very different than this story but i also kind of like it better yeah um i think that's in the right realm though because like at 182 we've got cannonball versus gladiator and the x-men in space and i think that arc is is uh is better than this it's a little more fun yeah. So, um, is this this is better than quarantine from the fraction run? I think, which is at one eighty eight. Yes, I would also put it. You know what? It's probably. I'm just looking at what's right below final sanction, which is the uh, Cassidy Keep arc of Gen X, um, A plus X five and Gen X ten to eleven with Omega Red. Yeah. Um, I think I would put it right below Final Sanction if I were going to squeeze it in there somewhere. So make it our new 185? Yeah. All right. Uh, This is Astonishing X-Men 48 to 56. And 
uh, I have to thank you because originally I think we were going to read something else for our second story and we shifted that. So thank you for uh, no Chuck Austin this week. <laughs> yeah, we were going to talk about that part in the Chuck Austin run where North Star shows up and uh, tries to stop a bomb and it blows up and kills a kid in his arms or whatever happens. Uh, and I'll be honest, between not loving that Marjorie Lou story and uh, the last story on our list, which I'm sure you'll figure out uh, based on context clues, uh, while important, <laughs> is also bad. And I was like, I don't – this North Star is important, and I don't want to just be, like, dumping on his stories for three issues straight. <laughs> that's that's rude. And I don't want to read five issues of Chuck Austin writing X-Men. I was having a bad day. I didn't want to deal with that. <laughs> I think this is a wise decision. So um, what do we choose instead here, Zach? We've, we've got a, a follow-up to Supernovas here, right? We do. This is X-Men Annual from 2007, written by Mike Carey, with art by Mark Brooks. Uh, kind of wild seeing Mark Brooks doing, like, kind of cartoony interior work. This is wild. Yeah, him not being painted is very... Very odd, because you can tell it's Mark Brooks, but it doesn't look like the guy who does all those very fancy covers. Well, he's being inked here by either uh, Jamie Mendoza or Victor Olazaba, and I'd be real curious to know what his pencils looked like at this time, because, you know, just having been at, at NYCC, his line was like, it was endless. It was wrapped around constantly, um, and you know, the, the quality of what it is that he's producing is just insane. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. So the art here is kind of a surprise because, you, you know, I, I don't think I realized that he did interiors at all. And it's kind of fun to see him pre now. Right. Right. Um, uh, story wise, this is interesting. This is a story about Rogue, Cable and Mystique, I think. Yes, and virtual reality. <laughs> there is some There is some uh, virtual reality. We have to, you know, hack in. There's trouble in Internet 3.0, Batman. Uh, hack the planet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, wait, um, hold on, 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 hold on. Uh-oh. Adam. Yes? You're aware of the Hoxpox, right? And the houses and the powers and all of, all of those yes. joyous things. Yes, the hoxes, uh, the poxes, and the doxes. You know, you know how the surprise breakout character of Hoxpox uh, has been Cipher, Doug Ramsey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you know how Cipher's hacking Krakoa. He's he's hacking the planet right now. And he is. He's hacking the planet. <laughs> oh, those books are wild. X Men has just come out as we read this. Uh, X Men, which spoiler alert, I guess. Pulls on a thread from Mike Carey that no one had pulled on, which is the Children of the Vault. Yep. Uh, which, uh, again, as uh, Supernovas is number 14 on our list of best X-Men stories ever, so we care mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, this this story is um, a, a, kind of an... I don't even know if it's necessary, but it, it's a good epilogue to the story while not being as good as that story. Um, so we have Rogue trying to rescue uh, North Star and what's North Star's sister's name? Aurora. Um, 
Aurora, thank you. I'm sorry, I've never been a huge Alpha Flight guy. Um, never read Alpha Flight. Never read no. it. I no. keep thinking I should. At least I should read the Burn Run. He's he's kind of a jerk. Uh, but I've heard that John Burn Alpha Flight actually rules. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, guy's talented. Um, so uh, they they basically hitch a ride on Maria Hill's shield helicarrier uh, and want to use her VR system so that Cable and who else? I guess it's Emma Frost remotely are going to re-implant uh the bobier's thoughts from childhood so that they're not like a mess anymore and things don't go right because avalon is in this story well avalon is a place i think you oh might not be avalon about exodus I'm sorry. you talking exodus. about exodus yes exodus is in this story oh man yeah who's even kind of having these like time travely visions where where is he at the beginning of this issue they they call it nowhere or no nowhere i don't know exodus okay I don't think he had been in a story for like 10 years at this point. <laughs> it was less than, no, wait, because he, oh, he's in the end of the Austin run where he's written completely out of character. He's serving on the Brotherhood, not even leading it. It's weird. Oh, he's such a weird character. Um, and he's here with, with an interesting team as well. He's got Random, um, Frenzy, and... Tempo? Yes, tempo. tempo. All right, this is a fun team. Yeah, these are these are his new acolytes, mm-hmm. uh, and he's he's upset because wouldn't you know it? The House of M happened, and there's only 198 mutants left. He's got he's got four of them with him, and he's like, well, I guess Shield has a bad cerebro. We could check to make sure. But let's <laughs> let's go check. Let's go check. Did we miss anyone? I know the X Men got a bunch. But they don't like me because I did terrorists to them. Well, and the way this all goes down is just kind of silly. Like it ends it, it like midway through the story, the VR restorations uh, session uh, gets interrupted. So Northstar and Aurora start tearing the place apart. And, you know, there's these weird fight scenes that don't really need to be happening because really all <laughs> I mean, all uh, Exodus. Why do I keep calling him Avalon? Because um, that was his I, house for a while. Yeah, I know, but that's weird. That's like, I don't know. It's like calling somebody a townhouse or I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he could have just asked, right? He could have said, hey, uh, are there any mutants? Can, can, can I borrow your, your cerebro can, for a couple minutes? Guys, I, I know. I, I know my name is Paris Benet de, de Puy. I believe is how I pronounce it in the original French. But uh, I... Uh, I may have been slightly a terrorist for a while, but would really like to use your supercomputer to connect myself to all the minds in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's all he wants to do. He just—he's basically like, "Can I borrow your phone for a couple minutes?" You know, but it it's results... a very good phone. But yes, yes. I mean, I do appreciate that this is revisiting a, a regular bit, which is that whenever Maria Hill allows anything to happen on her helicarrier, the helicarrier pretty much is going to get destroyed before the end of the issue. There's a reason why Maria Hill doesn't like mutants. <laughs> it's because they've all sucked for her. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, you know, can we can we just check on a prisoner you have? Or can we, you know, just use this thing? And then inevitably, like, big holes start appearing in the side of the ship. Um, so, anyway, everything's cool at the end. North Star and Aurora are back to normal. Uh, Mystique and Rogue kind of have a moment here. 
and uh, there's a, a little teaser at the end with uh, Apocalypse. Um, you mean Mr. Sinister. Apocalypse was dead at this time. Adam, you're just kidding. All of your mutants all confused. Is that? Oh, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, he's the one with the red diamond on his head. He loves yeah, the he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have a red diamond. He's just blue here. He Does just he? looks like blue. I don't know. He's only in two panels here. I thought it was... It's Shadows. Does he have a cape? No, he doesn't have a cape. Where's his cape? I, I bet he has a cape. Hold on. Mark Brooks, nope. Mr. Sinister. No cape. But he he's has, the one with the cape. He does have he does have boots, but if he was wearing his cape, you wouldn't be able to see Exodus in this panel. But but I swear but, to God, he does no but cape. cape. But cape. He's just he's just a blue guy with a blue hand. I well, I, Mark I know Brooks, I'm wrong, but Mark Brooks or whoever colored this, you got to help me out here. It's not he's not a blue guy. He's, he he's got have pale cape. white skin. He needs he need cape. He need cape. Yeah. Give cape, cape. Give sinister cape. <laughs> okay. So, uh Exodus is not named Avalon and the character at the end of this issue is not Apocalypse. No. This has been reading is fun with Adam. <laughs> so the fun thing about this is while I agree as a standalone it can be seen as maybe superfluous. This does a good job setting up further stories for uh, Mike Carey's run, uh, specifically the Blinded by the Light story uh, that leads into Messiah Complex. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's necessary. It's a necessary table setting thing, but because they're doing it in one shot, they have to add this weird plot. And, you know, it's good on them to say, hey, let's also fix North Star because uh, Mark Mark Millar broke him once and now we just got to put all those pieces back together. Yeah, I mean, he and Aurora were kind of used in uh, Supernovas to negative effect, so it well, well, a little bit of a reset. To be fair, before that, in Enemy of the State, Mark Millar made him super evil. Yeah, so man, we were you know how back. North Star, you know how North Star died in three different comics in the same month once, and he was the only gay character like Marvel had that was quote unquote major. Um. I did not know that. That's pretty terrible. Like, it was it was multiple editorial offices. It was a bunch of oversight and just oofta. Did not look good. Oh, man. That's that's really rough. Um, don't don't worry. He's married and happy Mark, now. Yeah. I'm not surprised that Mark Millar was involved in that, but okay. Where do we want to rank this story? It's not as good as Supernovas. No, it, it isn't. Um, it is a fun standalone story. Uh, and you're right. It's a good transition. So if you are reading Mike Carey's run, like you, you shouldn't skip this. Um, it also provides some good setup for some of the things that happen between Mystique and Rogue later as well. So um, I don't know. Uh, give me like a starting point here. Where, where are you thinking? Well, is it is it better or worse than the North Star wedding arc from Astonishing? I think it's tighter than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, like it, it's really direct about what it wants to do and it accomplishes it. Um, is I, it I think, better than Glob Loves Man Kills? Where is Glob right now? 162. 162. See, I... That might be a little too high. Well, well, then, is it is it better or worse than the first Gambit uh, mini? 
that might be a good place to put it is is maybe below the gambit mini and above x-men origins gene gray that would make it 165 yeah i think that's probably a good place i'm looking at what's around there it's better than like the cocaine arc of wolverine it's it's better than protect and serve it's better than adam x in alaska yeah so let's let's do that 165 that seemed fair yep that is the 2007 x-men annual uh, last story. This one's the most directly about North Star. Well, we can't we can't do a North Star episode without having. We have to talk about this issue. We have to talk about this issue. This issue is Alpha Flight One Hundred Six, written by the consummate professional Scott Lobdell, with art by Mark Pesela. Um Let's just start right now. This was the early nineties. Yes, this is this issue comes out. Uh, March of 1992. There's a lot going on in the world right then. Uh, And this was one way of Marvel trying to be progressive in the most 1992 Marvel way possible, which means it's not going to be subtle, uh, may not even be particularly good, uh, but this is a weird one. Um, well, let's North... let's set up the contrast here. Yeah. Okay. Adam, we... go. Yeah. Let, let's set up a little bit of the contrast here because the the first thing I think we need to recognize is that the basic story of this of this issue involves a couple of things that are very at least the way in which they're introduced are are presented in an almost sort of after school special type presentation not in terms of what you're seeing but in terms of what the dialogue is and so this is the issue where north star comes out of the closet um and says publicly that he's gay um and and the story does end with a press release but the other aspect of this story um is that he discovers at the bottom of a, a trash can a discarded baby um who was born with uh, HIV, and then it's later described as AIDS. Um, and this becomes sort of like a, a public thing that brings out a former superhero um, named Major, Major Maple, Maple Leaf, Leaf um, who had a son who passed away uh, from AIDS. So, and specifically because his son was in the gay community and it's, you know, the world didn't rally around his son like this baby who, you know, was a baby and sexual orientation wasn't really running through its mind at the time. So it was just an innocent to the world versus his son who did nothing wrong, but live his life. Right. Uh, and the world, because of the way AIDS was treated in the early nineties, uh, treated him very poorly. So we're starting with this as the content. Um, now what's wild about this issue and i've always been curious about this is that it is paired with the art stylings of mark pacella 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 uh never quite known how to say mark's name marky p but mark i think at this point was most well known for being the uh the initial fill-in artist on x-force because his line work at least not his you know his actual understanding of anatomy which is wildly crazy in this but he's got a sort of like life felt esque energy to his line work um 
Yeah, this is 1992. Right. So this is like super macho action art. And that is what makes this such a strange pairing is because you're hearing dialogue that could be a conversation with two people sitting across from each other in a room. And yet we're pairing it with these two enormous Hulk sized characters. Like North star looks like he's so jacked up on roids. It's nuts. And they're just beating the hell out of each other through buildings. Every window in a skyscraper gets smashed out in a panel. I mean, it's like so ridiculous. It's a lot. Uh, so the one thing, and I was thinking about this earlier today, I'm, I think you could even frame it as progressive in the very specific sense that Marvel didn't stop a character from being, you know, who is gay and expressing his sexuality to the world for the first time in like a big two comic. Uh, they didn't stop it uh, from just being a giant 1992 ass action comic. Here's what happens. Here's I'm sure you've seen the panel, but here's what happens when North Star does come out. He's flying through the air, Dragon Ball Z energy lines coming off of him, reaching forward and pulling back for a punch, and screaming the paragraph, For while I am not inclined to discuss my sexuality with people for whom it is none of their business, I am gay. And then he punches a dude. Well, and as he's punching him, there's another, like, five word balloons uh and then you go to the next page and major maple leaf is choking north star to the ground and again paragraph after paragraph of text i mean it's not a lot of dialogue but you can't imagine these two having this conversation while they're throwing each other at trucks and or like like there's literally a fire that was caused by tipping over a moving van happening in the background of this page it's wild yeah uh this comic's a lot uh it's it's very distilled 1992 it's got that after school special uh very special episode feel to it uh the baby dies by the way guys uh just just to make everything worse at the end of this comic the baby does pass away uh because they have to tie up the loose ends and they can't have north star have a kid it's... Right, because that's the other thing we didn't mention is that he publicly, very publicly, adopts this child. Yeah, North Star um, becomes a dad in this one for a good twenty minutes. Right, and then the the last thing we see is a front page story about him coming out publicly, like on the, in the newspaper. Which, uh, which good for Jean Paul. Yeah, yeah, it's it's such a an interesting artifact of its time. It really is because it's not, I would not say this is a good issue of comics, but Oh no, it's a bad issue of comics. (laughs) Yeah. But, but even so, like what we were just talking about with the wedding issue, um, which obviously is a much better (laughs) written and, and better illustrated, um, you know, storyline. This is still a really important artifact um of representation in the industry and just of its like of 1992 like this is very 1992 yeah it's it's dealing with the way that culture uh 
dealt with homosexuality and the AIDS crisis uh, in the 90s, uh, which is something you wouldn't see in comic books. There's a lot of interesting and good things happening in this. Uh, the storytelling, however, is not good, and objectively, it's a bad book. So it's weird to judge. This is a weird, so weird one to put on the list. Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, it suffers so much because of its execution, um, but its execution is also in line with like everything that was happening right then. You know what I mean? So I love your take on this that like that it's actually bolder to not like slow it down, find a, a, a less imagey artist for this issue and like actually just let it be this crazy, you know, fist fight. Um, I, I like that take. I, I never really thought about it that way. I but, think bold's the right word. I'm not sure good or the best choice could be applied there, but oh, it sure was bold. Not. Absolutely not. Um, I don't know if I'm praising that choice, but it's, it's an interesting one to consider. So how good this is, um, I, you know, art wise, we are, I, I, I don't think we're as bad as like 280, which is what if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires during Inferno. Oh, no, no, you know, we're not, but we're like, not anywhere. We're, I, I think we're a lot higher than that. We are, but like, I, the reason I bring that up though, is just, we're in that universe of sort of like everyone wanting to look like Liefeld or Lee. And this is mm -hmm. definitely doing that, that, you know, that former style, um, but there's enough con like content here that makes this more worthwhile, I think. Yeah, I like here's the thing. I know there are people out here where this comic means so much to them. Oh, sure. And I do not want to take anything away from you if you love this comic and it's important to you. Uh it should be and you should be like real happy that it exists and that frankly that comics featuring gay characters while not where they need to be by any means have gotten a heck of a lot better. Right. I mean, this is not love and rockets. Um, but at the same time, it, it has a huge cultural impact due to how big the sales were of Marvel comics at that point. Like think about how many people got this in their hands. Yeah, um, they got, they got positive representation for the first time. Yeah. And got to see, okay, well, I like all of these big burly men flying at the screen yelling. This one also likes big burly men. Um, <laughs> and he's still cool. Look at this. Look at this team. Look at this team of Alpha Flight. North Star is the second best character on this specific team of Alpha Flight. Number mm -hmm. one's Puck, and no one can beat that, and I'm sorry. Uh, but North Star's a strong number two here. Yeah, I'm looking somewhere in, let's see. How do you feel about it stacked up against 233, which is New Mutants 98 to 100? This is worse than New Mutants 98 to 100. Okay. I, um, I, I legitimately think that's true. Uh, I do think that this is probably better than, like, uh, Marvel Team-Up uh, number 19, which is that uh, Wolverine story. Mm -hmm. uh, probably better than Exiles 100 at 243. Yep. Better, is it than, better than that first Seb Wells New Mutants arc? Uh, I think Return that first. Is, I think Return of the Legion's better. Okay, so that's our that's where we're going to put it. Two forty three. Yeah, this is this will be two forty three. Uh, which is a good good showing for Jean-Paul Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
guys, if you've never read this, um, it's an infamous issue. And uh, I, I definitely think it's worth checking out both for what it is trying to do, <laughs> what it somewhat succeeds in doing, and then just what it means as sort of like this totem of 1992. Like, it, it's just an interesting artifact. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's worth finding, and that's mm-hmm. important, too. So, that's three stories. We're done with our episode. Yeah, we can move back from Canada. Look, I don't want to. I'm getting under the weather, if you couldn't tell during this recording session. And they have free health care there. I don't want to go to the doctor. That's a $35 copay. And then <laughs> I have to do anything. That doesn't even count my co-insurance. And it's just... Canada's I gotta say, gotta... If, it, if it wasn't so cold, I'd, I'd consider it. I would. I already live in Ohio. I could move to I could move to Toronto and have literally no change in my like <laughs> like I'd have like an extra week that's a little colder. I could yeah. live with that. Yeah, you you could probably handle that. Yeah, Toronto's actually well, getting into Ontario is like 4 hours up the road. Mm. Uh it's not too bad though. Yep. Anyway, uh Thank you, Jeffrey Worrell, for going over to Patreon.com and supporting the show, having us talk about stuff. If you want to be like Jeff, you can go on over to Patreon and do that. Throw money our way. We'll do fabulous prizes and make a whole episode about your stuff. It'll be really good. Uh, What do I normally plug here? Probably the new podcast that's going to come out on November 1st, which is uh, Boku no Ex-Anime. Uh... (laughs) Which is the X-Men anime podcast that me and Luz Bianca are going to do. Uh, I made a logo. It, I'm very proud. It uses yes. Sailor Moon and Naruto font. <laughs> Don't pretend you know what either of those are. I know that Naruto is the yelly yellow orange boy that runs with his hands behind his back like some sort of dingus. And I have a <laughs> cultural awareness of Sailor Moon. Oh, God. Now I'm imagining those those guys that did that at Area 51. Did you see that? <laughs> yes, of course I saw the Area 51 Naruto guys. If they Naruto run, they'll go faster than those bullets. Oh, it's so good, guys. Uh, we're also in Dawn of X, so our docs coverage is beginning, right? Yeah, uh, as of this week, uh, you would have seen the coverage already written for the article To Me, My X-Men. Uh also known as Toxmen, uh, written by the Hoxbox Tox crew of Chris Edelman and Robert Secundus. Uh, they are doing some excellent work, and I'm excited to uh, get that going. And then this week, uh, Marauders starts covering Marauders. Uh, <laughs> and that's Vishal Gulapali and Christy Edelman. And I love these names. They're great. Oh my gosh, I spent too much time thinking of bad puns. <laughs> Uh, anything else you got to plug, Zach? Where where can people find you? Uh, Xavier Files, where you get all the latest and greatest of all this stuff. Also, Xavier Files on Twitter. Uh, Xavier Files, when I say it, is just a website. It's where I live. It's it's my home away from home. Uh, that I mess with at home on my tablet. Uh, anyway, Adam, do your thing. I'm honestly, I'm struggling tonight. <laughs> All right, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. We are in week three of the Bish and Jubes Collected Edition Trade Paperback Kickstarter. Um, doing 
great as of this recording i think we're almost up to like three times the uh, initial goal which is fantastic but um the really cool thing is that right now we are in this like stretch goal part of the campaign where we're getting some really cool artists to come in and do trading cards so i'm doing the first two um gleb melnikoff is doing uh, mr sinister and strife five and we've got actually new mutants dead souls artist adam gorham coming on to do uh, cards of eva bell and future beast um i'm not going to tell you who the next artists will be because well we have to hit those levels before i would uh, be able to activate those commissions but i'll suffice it to say that there are still some cool surprises if we can get up to these higher levels so um if you haven't ordered your book yet uh go on over to kickstarter look for the bish and Jeeves collected edition you can get to it through our twitter accounts as well um and order your copy today um if you live internationally uh between the last time that i recorded to this show uh i've added a tier for international shipping as well so uh if you live not in the united states you can get a copy and you can uh, and it's well worth it boys and girls and <laughs> non-binary folk and really just whoever all y'all all y'all should buy this one all y'all uh thank you zach what, what are we doing next week next week is halloween so we're gonna do something Ooh. spooky we haven't decided yet we'll let you know yeah it'll be super spooky uh it's gonna be pretty dang spooky guys uh, there's gonna be demons and goblins and uh and we're jump just, scares we're just gonna recover inferno <laughs> Ooh, we could we could do a Inferno reread and see what happens. No, we'll come up with something better. Uh, but until then, this has been Balianum. We hope you survived the experience.